0: Hey there. If this is your first episode, welcome to the Podcast Manager show. And if you are back again, welcome back. We have a special episode for you today with Jeremy Ends. He is back on the show and we are talking about how to design a rock solid podcast marketing strategy for your clients. Man, if there is one question that We love to get as podcast managers. It is how can I market my show? How can I grow my show? How can I get in front of new eyes and ears? And today we are talking about that with Jeremy Enns. He was on a previous episode of the show, episode 74. So put that one on your list as well to listen to. But if I had to choose, this is my favorite episode that I've done with him. It was so good and I cannot wait for you to listen. So without further ado, let's go chat with Jeremy. Hey there, I'm Lauren and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream client while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Jeremy, it's so great to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah, it's so great to be back, Lauren. Glad to be here.
0: Yes, we had you back on episode 74, almost 100 episodes ago. It was almost two years ago. So you've been up to a lot and at that point you were working with clients as a podcast agency and you had your marketing course for podcasters. What have you been up to <laughs> since then?
1: Yeah, it's uh so both of those still exist, but the kind of balance has dramatically shifted between the two. So back in 2021, I think uh, that was that uh, was still like the vast majority of my income and and kind of time and energy was in the agency side of things. And the, the course I'd actually I think back when we first recorded that episode, I might have launched the course three different times, and was still like very much like, finding its feet, uh, every single launch had been a very different structure of how the course was created. That's actually continued. Uh, now I think after the the past, actually, I suppose from the fourth launch through now we've done six and are, are coming up on seven, they've all been more similar structure. So it felt like the first three, the first year and a half was kind of trying out a bunch of stuff, seeing what the where the fit was. And kind of after that, uh, right at that turning point, when I was on the show last time, kind of like locked into like, Oh, I think this is the best way to present this, this is where people are getting the best results, uh, and have kind of just start, started building more around that. So rather than kind of wildly throwing stuff at the wall and seeing, you know, what was the the best way to doing it and reinventing it every time, it's kind of like, okay, now we've got the general framework, and are just tweaking pieces of it. And so um, also over that time, it, it, yeah, like I mentioned, the, the agency is now we've got a few clients left, but it's kind of really easy clients where it's just ongoing, you know, work, I'm barely involved with that, which is, is great. And I'm kind of looking at um, ramping up the education side and the content side. I've started to get a couple of uh, sponsors for my newsletters, things like that. So the, the creator side is kind of taking over and, and really going all in on that this year.
0: Yes, I did see that you had a sponsor for your newsletter and I loved that. That's congrats on that. Is that a new 2023 thing?
1: It is. I had thought about it previously over over 2022. I think I was, you know, I, I've always been kind of like, I don't know. I, I believe creators should have sponsors. I think that's a good thing. I think that it's better than, you know, a lot of other like people should get paid for their work. And totally. creators put so much value out into the world and often don't get paid for it. So I was not like against the idea of sponsors. I just like was personally had some kind of like, I wanted it to remain pure and like only my own stuff. And for me, it was like, you know, I, I wanted it to be a good fit sponsor. And I knew that they were out there, but. It kind of just didn't feel that urgent, and then I think as I kind of made the very intentional decision at the end of 2022 to say like, okay, we're we're really moving away from agency clients, reshifting the focus to be, you know, this is the year I want to go all in on the the creator stuff, the writing, the education, I kind of realized, like, okay, there's going to be a gap in income here. And I can't be too picky about where it's coming from. And actually, you know, when once that shift, I was like, actually, there's great sponsors out there. And people actually started reaching out. So these two sponsors, I actually didn't have any systems in place, they like reached out and said, Is there any way we can sponsor your newsletter, we read it, we love it. And like the both of them booked, you know, long term uh, deals for sponsorships, and uh, the one is already renewed. So I Actually, I think I have three sponsors right now. And um, it was kind of like all of them are great fits. And it kind of just validated that idea of like, oh, you you can kind of have to some extent your cake and eat it too, where it's like, yes, you can get paid to, you know, write your newsletter or create your podcast or whatever it is. And it can also be promoting companies that you actually like and that your audience finds valuable as well.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I think a lot of our clients, maybe not a lot, but some of our clients at least have that mindset of like, I want to keep the podcast pure. We're talking about a newsletter in your case, but same goes with a podcast, right? I want to keep the podcast like pure and, you know, just me. And I don't want to be a quote unquote sellout. And it's like, but in the same breath, we can argue that like we deserve to get paid for all the effort that goes into creating that. So it's just weird how some of that money mindset will pop up and say like, no, you know, don't, don't go for a sponsor because, you know, it's better if you don't. But then it's like, well, it's not going to be a great outcome if I don't ever get paid, because then I can't do this long term. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that that's the thing that is sometimes I you know, you want to like talk almost to especially like in podcasting, this exists a lot in certain circles of podcasting where people are super anti being sold to and especially like being sold, you know, courses or products like from the podcast industry. And the thing I always think about is like, you will never get like better information or education or resources than when somebody can afford to spend all of their time thinking about that very specific thing and so Mm. like i'm really grateful that now like basically i spend i would say like 80 percent of my waking hours are thinking about marketing in some way in the back of my mind like whatever and it's nice to be able to afford to do that now and mainly that's through products and things like that but i think that like that's something that now i as a consumer think about like when i enjoy someone's work i'm like I want them to spend more time thinking about this because like they're doing the stuff that I can't do. And every every newsletter they write, every podcast they put out there, like I, it, it gives me something new to think about that I don't have the bandwidth to like explore on my own or I don't have yes. you know, whatever the unique kind of like creative genius to explore on my own. And so I think that that's something that you know, it's worth thinking about ourselves of like when we can, you know, bring in income through whatever means it's going to be, as long as it's, you know, not undermining our our own offerings or our audience uh, relationship or anything like that. Like this allows us to put more of it back into the work itself, which is, you know, I think the thing that most of us want to be doing.
0: Yeah. And that's what's, you know, really impactful, like you said, to the person that's receiving it, is that you can get really good at what you're doing instead of all of us kind of just staying you know, beginner level or, or you know, just right on top of, of kind of where the good stuff gets.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, that was really great. Today, we're going to be talking about how to design a rock solid podcast marketing strategy for our clients. So to kick us off there, what are some of those essential pieces that we would want our clients to have to grow their show?
1: Yeah. So uh, this essentially... I've stumbled onto this framework. This is maybe another one of the updates in the past uh, couple of years since I was on here. But uh, it's I call it the EARS framework. And so there's four components to it. And uh, so it's E, A, R, and then the S is actually a dollar sign. A little bit little bit cheeky. We, we can make it work as an S, uh, too. I'll, I'll show you how when we get to that. But essentially, those four components are exposure, attraction, retention, and then Monetization or sales. And I kept it from being an S because a lot of people have baggage around the term sales. And, you know, monetization can happen in a number of ways as well. So I I feel like the dollar sign might be a, a bit more inclusive of all the ways people make money from podcasts. And so one of the things that I realized, I came across this framework probably actually a very similar time when I was last on here. I think after that launch of my course podcast marketing academy, and was kind of just doing an audit of all of my marketing. And I was spending a lot of time doing marketing in that year and my newsletters were like kind of growing a little bit. I actually had my one newsletter creative wayfinding at the time. And shortly after that time, I launched my second newsletter, Scrappy Podcasting. And but I was just spending so much time like creating content and like doing all these things I thought were marketing and just wasn't really seeing the growth that I thought I should be for the amount of time I was spending on it. And so I kind of did an audit of each of my kind of categories. And it they I named them initially different kind of categories, but it ended up being this year's framework. So exposure, attraction, retention, and then monetization. And I kind of gave myself a letter grade on each of those. And I listed all the things I was doing under each category. And I realized like some categories, I had a ton of stuff, but none of it was really working. Other categories, I had, you know, very few things, but they were like working really well. And so I kind of looked at each of the those different components of like, you know, as a whole, like, how am I doing in each of these categories? And I realized very quickly, like, oh, I'm like, when it came to retention, that's uh, we can talk about this more in depth. But that's like the actual content creation. It's the stuff that people keep coming back for your podcast, your newsletter, your YouTube channel, whatever that is. And I was writing two newsletters, and I also had a podcast at the time. And I was like, oh, like I'm doing a fantastic job of this content, and I'm doing a pretty terrible job on almost everything else. And no wonder my marketing isn't working as a whole because I'm really just optimizing for one category here. And so that's kind of where the the framework was uh, was born. And then uh, as I started to to talk about it more. Uh, to a lot of different people, it's like people's eyes are, are kind of lighting up and are like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I understand immediately why I'm not getting the results, because I have a gap somewhere in in my strategy.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of times we are just doing what seems to be working for other people. So mm-hmm. we're, we're not thinking of it as a framework, we're not thinking of it as a kind of a, a complete strategy. We're just like, hey, you know, Instagram is working for people now or, you know, podcasting is working for people, uh, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so we just do that thing without realizing like that, like you said, we might already be doing that, that category really well. We don't actually need to spend time, more time there. Now, have you found since creating this framework that there are certain like retention specifically that people love to work in and then they like avoid the other ones or not so much?
1: Yeah. So the, it's it's actually been really interesting to think back through like past students and things like that now that I have this lens. And so this is kind of now the basis of all the co- course and content going forward. But I've kind of been like looking back at people who've had success or who've struggled and kind of seen like, where are the, the gaps uh, for them or where were they? And it's, it's really interesting to like look at the aggregate as well. And so one of the things uh, I can talk about this a little bit later, but I developed this uh, free audit. Um, that you can take. It's 20 questions long, and it gives you a grade in each of these categories. It's built around this framework. So now I have all this data of maybe 500 people have been through it. And you can kind of see very clearly, oh, where are people strong and where are people weak? And retention, like you uh, mentioned, is certainly the, the one that we as creators tend to like over-index on that because we love creating the show and we love creating content. And so that's the thing where we want to spend most of our time. And unfortunately, with with podcasting in particular, like this would not be true for YouTube, for example. Depending on if you were writing like SEO optimized content, this also wouldn't be true. But um podcasting, like we all know there's almost no discoverability. And so creating more content is actually doing nothing to get us more growth. It's like appeasing the existing people. If we have a, su- a sufficiently large audience for them to actually talk about the show, which you kind of need to reach this critical mass before that really starts working. Like then it might work, but we're not going to get there if we're just creating more content. And so that is certainly the one where most people are, you know, score the highest in in the, the kind of grading system. And then monetization is pretty weak in general. I think it's hard to say like I think a business audience would actually do much better in monetization um whereas a more creator-centric audience which my audience is is made up of both would score weaker they don't really have you know sponsorships they don't have any products um and then exposure is an interesting one for me because I think we all fall into this at least I fell into this trap and I think a lot of people do where we do a lot of things related to exposure but none of them really work and so when I did my initial audit myself I listed I must have had 15 things that were in the exposure category and I couldn't give like a really solid grade to any of them. And I was like, Well, that's, that's kind of really funny, because you would kind of think like, if I'm doing all these things, like, surely, that would lead to better results. And I think that's actually what what you were talking about there, where we see like, Oh, this is working, or that's working, or this is working. And what we don't realize is that most especially exposure strategies. But I think most marketing strategies in general, like you have to kind of show up every day for probably like six to nine months before it really starts working for you in the first place. And when you spend like, you know, three weeks here, two weeks there, maybe even a month, maybe two, and it's just not working for you yet. And then you jump onto something else. We never really actually give ourselves a chance for that to be successful. And so I think that's pretty common for a lot of people as well. Um, And so yeah, I would say exposure and monetization have been the two kind of weak points. And then uh, retention and attraction are the two stronger points.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, from what you're saying, it sounds like exposure is maybe social media.
1: Can be. Yeah, okay. I think like, so I think like one of the things to think about with social media is that just posting audiograms and repurposed content probably isn't actually reaching a new audience. And so mm-hmm, specifically, mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm thinking about exposure, this is like content that will reach people who don't already know about you. And so most of our social content, if we're repurposing content, just creating, you know, regular kind of posts, they are reaching our existing followers who likely already know about our show and have either not been convinced to listen the first time, or they've actually checked it out. And are like, now nah, this isn't for me, and so I think when we're thinking about exposure, this is about getting in front of people who've never heard about us before, never got any exposure to our show, and specifically with sp- social media, that means creating whatever kind of content the algorithm is going to promote. Which mm-hmm. some of us, you know, want to do, some of us don't want to do. Um, but if you're going to use social media as your exposure channel, that's kind of the game you need to play.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So it, social media could be is both probably exposure and retention. If you're just sharing posts with people that are already in your your circle following you then that's retention mm-hmm. but if yep. you're like you said if you're following the algorithm you're you're doing reels and reels are hot you're doing carousels when carousels are hot like you said not all of our clients want to do that in fact if they're if you know if they're podcasters or they have a podcast they they actually might want to just focus on the podcast and not also be learning something new <laughs> anytime instagram wants us to
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think the great thing that we don't often realize is that there are just like so many potential marketing channels and that we don't need to do any one of them. And no matter how well it works for somebody, we can ignore any single channel and be fine. It's funny how like I came up with this framework. And then the more I talk about it, the more nuance I realize is in it. And one of the more recent things that I've been focusing on a lot is that really in each of these categories, we only need one thing that works. And so we've got we need one podcast. This is what in hindsight, I was like, I had two newsletters and a podcast like i only needed really maybe one of those and i could be fine and so for me now i have the two newsletters the podcasting one is more for the business my other one creative wayfinding is more for me personally so i'm happy to keep doing both but really if you have one exposure channel that consistently works you you know you can do that to get exposure to new people you know that your show is you know attractive to people so when it gets in front of them your cover art your description your copywriting your messaging all of that is actually you know appealing enough that somebody gets it and they're like yes i have to listen to that show like that's, you're good. And then if you have the show that is solid that people keep coming back for, great. And then if you have like one product that converts those people, you can build a really fantastic business with just one kind of channel in each of those categories. And I think that it's about like experimenting in each of them and seeing like, okay, what what do I need to do? What's the one thing? First, I'm gonna try a bunch of stuff at the start. And then like when I find something that I can be consistent with, I'm just going to do that. And so I think, you know, some of of the uh, people's listening to your clients, if they love doing the podcast, like maybe look at doing cross promotions or, you know, feed swaps or guesting on other shows, things that are like very podcast oriented. And like, you can just do one of those consistently. And that can lead to all the podcast growth that you need. Um, And of course, everybody's going to have different strengths and preferences. So you can look at other channels as well. But uh, I don't think you need to be doing everything uh, and being everywhere.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Now, speaking of exposure, since we're, that's the first one on your list, what is, I don't want to say your favorite, not like your personal favorite, since like you said, it's different for all of us, but what is one exposure channel that you think works for a lot of people or one that you just are like, I need to highlight this because not enough people are doing it?
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think it would be collaborations for me. I think there's actually, there, there's two that are kind of at different stages. Um, I think early on, being on social media, but not like you wouldn't even need to create any content just engaging on social media. But really, it's about like making friends with people in your space. And it's just amazing, because that not only does that get you talking with potential listeners and kind of uh, exposure to those potential listeners. If you're commenting with insightful ideas in their thread, then other people are going to see that as well. And you almost know that like all of those people are going to be interested in what you have to say as well. And if you look at your own behavior, we all you know, we see somebody make an interesting comment, we like click through to their profile, we check out if we see like, oh, they have a podcast on this topic that I'm already interested in, probably there's a good chance that we're if if nothing else, we're going to follow them. And then we may go check out the podcast as well. So early on, I think like Just focusing on like making connections and making friends within your niche is the fastest way to start getting traction with subscribers. It's like manual labor. It's kind of I think of it as legwork, and so it it doesn't you can't do that forever to get to you know a million followers. Not that we're any of us are going to get to a million followers necessarily, but um, at some point you know getting your first few hundred people you can certainly do it that way. And then after that, I think collaborations, which become easier when you've already made friends with other people in your niche, they just kind of happen organically. But uh, I think like for me, I think a lot about with marketing. First of all, it's like picking a small enough kind of like area to play in that you actually can become known by almost everyone. And I think that you and I are good examples of this where like podcasting is small enough that both of us, we've been doing this several years. And like most people think have heard of us or know about us or we're friends with or, or something like that. And so I think like, just thinking about like picking that spot and then doing whatever you can to just kind of become ubiquitous. And mm-hmm. if you just do that for several years, like eventually you're just going to be one of the top people in the space. Everybody's going to know you and you're going to be seen as like one of the authorities in, in your whole, whole niche. And so I think that can be through collaborations, podcast guesting, but just like getting out in front of people um, however you can. And uh, for me, for podcasters, I think doing promo swaps, that's got to be the, the easiest, lowest lift, easiest for people to say yes to a uh, way to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such great advice. And while you were saying that, I was thinking of just us podcast managers landing our own clients and how, yes, that legwork of just talking to people, not focusing on creating content, but just like talking to people is so essential, especially in the beginning. And then also... Having those those people that are not in the podcasting space, like your friends that are virtual assistants or, you know, and I say friends, I don't mean like, you know, your neighbor, they're probably not working online like we all are. But like your, you know, your your circle that you you slowly start to accumulate, them, Be you being their podcast manager kind of go to. So sometimes if we hang out in the, po- it's great to hang out in the podcasting world, but also to like get out into the other circles so that you can be known like you're saying, as the podcast manager that people would recommend. So that just kind of came to mind as you were saying that. But, you know, that also works for our clients who are trying to become known or maybe are already known, but are still growing their their audience. Hey, before we continue with this episode, I wanted to ask you something. If there was a way that you could make $5,000 per month as a podcast manager without taking on a million clients, Is that something that you'd be interested in? If so, I have great news for you. We have a brand new masterclass that teaches you how you can make $5,000 per month as a podcast manager without taking on a million clients. In this class, we are covering the skills and the systems that every podcast manager needs to know to land high paying clients so that you can make $5,000 per month and beyond you'll also learn the mistakes that I was making and I see podcast managers continue to make that keep them from profit. So if you're nodding your head, yes, tell me more, Lauren, then go to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass to get a seat in the masterclass this week. You can find that link in the show notes. I'll see you there.
1: I think that I have this, like, I I, want to write an article about this at some point. I don't know what I'll call it, but I have this idea of like uh, a dandelion that is, do you call it dead at that point when it's all the white?
0: Yeah, right. Little, yeah. like fluffy yeah.
1: bits on the dandelion. <laughs> and and thinking about like how that's like, that that feels like part of this goal of marketing almost is like we can kind of like pick this really small area to play in. And when we kind of saturate that, then we like blow off the dandelion stems and go like plant our seeds in like all these other little circles. And so now we like move over to this adjacent space where we can then start the process over again and say like, okay, well, now I'm going to make friends with everybody here. And so you kind of like go sector by sector and kind of add into all these places where you become like the best known podcast manager for these people. and. Mm-hmm. I think that like we don't like to do this because we we imagine that if we show up in the the biggest area possible that's where there's the most opportunity because there's the most podcasters in in this space when really if we were to find out a, a community that has, you know, maybe 250 people in this community and 50 of them have podcasts And we become just the only person who is a podcast manager in that space. Like that's going to be way easier. We could get all 50 clients and we probably couldn't even handle that many. And you could do it way faster because you've actually picked a really small area and you just become the one and only in that space. And so you can kind of just repeat that process by going like from from kind of sub niche to sub niche. And uh, you can actually make a, a pretty build a pretty good audience and make a pretty good living doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I totally agree. So that, that's exposure. What about attraction? How is that different from exposure?
1: Yeah. So this is are they're, they're kind of like, I, I suppose that attraction sits between exposure and retention. And so it's about like getting people into the podcast in the first place. And so one of the, the hard things about podcasting, especially with social media as an exposure channel, is that it, there's so much friction to get people like to click play on an episode because we're in scrolling mode. We're not really like, gonna go click play on even like even like a 12 minute podcast when you're on instagram and you're scrolling you're like looking for something that takes eight seconds of your time or less or like two seconds (laughs) and uh i'm not a big instagram person but i always marvel like just watching people in public with the like the scroll screen and it's like half a second and i'm like oh wow like nobody stands any chance of like getting people over to their podcast here from this channel
0: right and what you're saying, too, is like you're watching someone do that in public. So even if they wanted to listen to the podcast, they're not in a place where they can listen to a podcast. They're in public. They're in front of their kids. They are they actually realize, oh, I'm not I shouldn't even be on social media right now. Like, I actually should be working. Yeah. And I'm, you know, so so just to your point, we're on social media when we're, quote, unquote, like in between time and when we're not supposed to be. And, we're, and we, as much as we would like to listen to a podcast, it's just not the right time.
1: Yeah. And so I think like the point of the attraction category there is then like how, what about your show makes it so compelling and so appealing to people that when they come across it, they're like, oh, I need to subscribe to that. And I think it doesn't, you don't need to look far to see that most shows are not, I mean, most of us aren't in the need top of every single show out there so of course not all of them are going to be equally appealing to us but if you just look up any topic and you say i i was doing um a podcast audit for a friend of mine who has a, a podcast in the social media space and so i was doing some research just on all the shows in social media and i was looking through them and there's you know dozens of them and most of them are all the same they're like basically like you know today's latest like social trends and like whatever and it's just kind of like okay all essentially you have to know the person hosting it otherwise you have no reason to pick any one of these and then there was a few that were like targeted at becoming a social media manager which is like that was the only one on that topic and I was like I bet that show does really well because it's so if you are a social media manager many of the other shows Uh, they said like for business owners, for creators, for social media managers, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I could learn from that. But if one is targeted specifically to me as a social media manager, I know which one I'm going to pick. And so part of it is like aiming narrow and niching so that somebody comes across it, and it just feels more relevant than anything else out there. And so that's certainly like part of the attraction space is is picking your audience, picking your niche, uh, and crafting your content around that. And then the other part is more like the I I, get, I suppose that is outward facing, but thinking about like the cover art design, the title, um, the description of the show, your like copy and messaging. If you're in person, this applies too. like if you're giving a, you know, one or two sentence pitch to somebody when you're talking to somebody about your show, this is all like the stuff that gets people over the goal line kind of where like, okay, you've got exposure to them, you've got their attention. Now, what is it about the show that's going to pull them into the next step? And I think that there's lots of it, it's actually really interesting that in this previous cohort of my course. I didn't hadn't really come across this before. And maybe that's because I hadn't put as much emphasis on it. But cover art design, titling and kind of general messaging, the themes of the messaging became this thing for this group, where it's like people realized how big an impediment that was to getting them listeners. Whereas when we started doing group feedback sessions and things like that, you know, you'd bring up your show and people would be like, so what actually is it about or can you like repeat that or explain that? And if you think like here, you're in this like interactive environment where you kind of have a few minutes to explain your show to somebody, and they're still kind of like, not quite clear, or they're like, Oh, yeah, I didn't get that at all from the cover art. It's clear that you know, somebody who who you have three seconds of their time or eight seconds of their time, they're not going to get it either. And if they don't understand it, they're moving on to the next one that is clearer. And so I think that there's a lot that goes into that kind of attraction uh, category where it's like, what is the initial impression that somebody gets and like within that first few seconds, can they understand? Yes, this is a show for me, this is going to be worth my time. And you know, I'm, I'm actually excited to listen to this.
0: Yeah. Wow. So I, I'm just imagining like having that type of feedback, how powerful that would be. So like for our podcast our managers that are listening, if they're launching a show with a client, they could bring the client's artwork and really just the artwork and say, and obviously the title would be on the artwork and say, Hey, what do you guys think of when you like come to a group like mine and say, Hey, what do you guys think of when you look at this artwork? You know, do you think That it's for you. Who do you think it's for? Like what, whatever, just to get that initial thoughts from someone who's completely outside of you guys creating it.
1: Yeah, I think, and I would be careful when you're doing that, not to like seed any expectations in there to say like you know what is your first impression when you think of this what comes to mind and leave it kind of empty kind of blank Mm -hmm. because sometimes people will go and they say like when you see this do you think does this make you think of this which is what they want you to think of and then (laughs) you're like yeah i guess guess it kind of does whereas if they just left it blank and waited for you to say you'd kind of be like whatever comes to mind and maybe that's exactly the opposite thing or completely irrelevant or whatever it is
0: yes yeah i mean honestly just feedback on anything, I think is so underrated, just like getting someone's thoughts on like, hey, when you hear this word, does it like, what does this word make you think of? Does this is is this an elevated word in your mind? Is this like a cheap word in your mind? Is this just getting all that kind of feedback can be so helpful because, you know, we all have our own frame of reference on what on how the world works, basically. And turns out it's not that's not how everybody thinks, right?
1: No, exactly right. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay, so awesome. So that makes a lot of sense with attraction is it's really knowing okay if you, when you get your podcast your client's podcast in front of the right person are they going to realize that it's for them. That's kind of what I'm getting from the re- the attraction. Then retention, I feel like we've covered in in that it's your ongoing it's the podcast in in all of our examples it's this ongoing source of education of maybe warming up the audience to eventually do that last step which is monetization
1: yeah and i think the one thing i'd add with the retention category is that for me it's like what i think the feedback you're looking for is like that people are coming that you have long-time listeners who come back to the show people who are engaging with the show and also like this is kind of entirely anecdotal evidence, but kind of like signs of resonance that like the content it means something mm. to people that it's like there's this emotional connection. I think that there are some shows that are purely informational, where it's like you listen to like, to just learn the thing. And then, you know, you you download the information, but you're not sticking around for anything. I think those shows, maybe there are people who stick around and listen for quite a while, but they're kind of commodities and almost lo- a little bit disposable. Whereas like you learn the thing and then you're done, they don't have an ongoing place in your life. And so I think if you're running a business, that can be hard to continue running that business. If, you know, you have these people who don't have any loyalty to you, they don't have that kind of personal resonance. And so I think a lot of that is getting over this feeling like we just need to be information spewing machines and and teachers and bring in more of our, our personality and ourselves and our quirks and like giving people something that they can latch onto on a personal level rather than just helping them get results yes we want to get them results with whatever our topic is but we also want to put some of the kind of threads out there that they can grab onto that they can connect with personally
0: yeah oh, such great, great advice because I have seen a, a big turn in like just podcast episodes being like the five tips. The three, yeah. this, the, you know, just that type of like you said, just like information, this, this show is going to be so value packed that they're, they're always going to come back. And like you said, number one, we don't always need more information. Sometimes we need like a mindset shift or, you know, or reflection on the industry or whatever, depending obviously on the topic. But and it, I think this really applies to that, to the business world, which is where a lot of us podcast managers work in is you know and helping our clients be different if we're all doing like you said the social media example if we're all doing the the five best reels to do this week or the you know three instagram hacks and blah blah blah, it's like well everyone's doing that and what's different but whatever you're creating some sort of maybe mindset shift or revelation then people are getting really more value
1: yeah and i think like there's There's certainly something to be said for actionable shows. I've certainly listened to my fair share in the past, but I also think about sometimes So, if when I think about like the five tips to do whatever, podcasting is inherently a slower method of delivering information. Like you could probably write a 500 or 300 word article that you could read in two minutes and get all the same information. And it's kind of like maybe one of the things that I think about, I'm thinking about starting more podcasts and in, in the future for myself. And I'm thinking about like, okay, where? how does the newsletter fit in with the podcast? And I think about something like a newsletter or a blog post is a great vehicle for like quickly giving a detailed breakdown of information without a ton of like personality or stories or things like that. And so for me, if if your clients do have both of these channels or multiple channels, it's thinking about like, okay, well, let's make sure like one channel is optimized for one thing and the other channel is doing a different job. And that actually gives people Mm. a reason to like go between both of them and move throughout your kind of content ecosystem. And you can kind of build on them together rather than just regurgitate the same information in two places. Whereas, mm-hmm. like maybe the written content is more highly actionable, short form. It's like really like distilled down to its essence. And on the podcast, you talk more about like the, the bigger themes that are going on, or like how to like you do case studies and breakdowns and tell stories around that stuff. And you know, people kind of need both of those in order to learn really effectively. And of course, not everybody's going to go between two of them, but I think it actually gives it it creates a richer kind of overall uh content ecosystem and business as well.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that because. I like repurposing and I love helping like podcast managers think of ways to to repurpose for their clients. But the repurposing has its shortcomings, right? I, I am not a fan of just repurposing for every single social media channel and every single just channel galore, right? Yeah. Because it's just more is not better. More content is not better. So I think that that's a really great distinction on how your content should inform your other content. And it can definitely be the same themes and the same type of stuff. But like, what is different about the newsletter, the podcast, the, you know, YouTube channel even, and, and you know, the list goes on.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So then what about monetization? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, we kind of mentioned this at the start, this is going to be, you know, very different, depending on what your business is, it could be your products, your services, uh, it could be sponsorships, it could be a mix of, of all of these. And you know, many businesses, I imagine, of the people who are listening, their their clients, probably do incorporate all of these things, and, and potentially even more. Um, and so I think like, whatever your end product is whether that's selling ad slots or selling your services or a product um, that's going to be unique to the business. Um, but I think like, you know, if you've done all the rest of these three things, well, like it sets up monetization to happen much more easily. Um, mm-hmm. And so th- that being said, they're still like, you-, you look at any one of these, these kind of categories, and it's like, well, it's not Always a super simple thing to do, and so when you think about it, if you have all these other three um, pieces in place and you're still struggling to monetize, then it's either like probably like what is the offer, and that's a whole you know science in and of itself, creating a compelling offer that you know people the value is clear to them, the price is right, or or the what it, and the price being right does not mean being low; it means that people mm-hmm. feel it's, it's worth more than what it costs. And so of course there's all these pieces that go into that, and then there's your messaging around that, and like your your copywriting, your sales page, and your design. Yeah. And, one of the things actually about this framework that I've I've realized is that it actually it applies to it's almost like a a fractal kind of where it applies at any layer, no matter how much you zoom in, it still can apply to that. So you could look at, you know, um, exposure, attraction, retention and monetization on an episode level or a whole show level. I think about it in terms of my course launches, I think how am I going to get exposure to my course? How am I going to attract people to join a free event or get onto my email list? How am I going to give them value and and retain them throughout, you know, that launch period? And then what's the, the sales offer on to the course. And so I think like you could take the same framework and say like, okay, well, we've got it in place for the podcast, or maybe the, the business as a whole, we're weak on the monetization category. So maybe let's apply this framework now specifically to the product. Like, are we not getting it in front of enough people? Is that the reason? Maybe we have a great product, but we need to integrate it more into the podcast and start running ads to it or something like that. Or mm-hmm. maybe the value isn't clear, and it's not differentiated. So maybe the attraction is the problem where we're getting it out there. And you know, once people get in, they love the product, and they, you know, they rave about it. But there's something getting people in is the really hard part. Um, and then probably, I guess, suppose in a individual product, maybe monetization might not be the so relevant, but the other three certainly still are. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would, would think about then looking at like, okay, if this is a weak point for us, like, where's the specific problem in there? And uh, again, that depending on on your relationship with your clients, that might be out of the purview of of, of what you do for them. But I think going in, it's actually interesting in the past, six months, I've had way more, I've probably had four or five or six uh, podcast managers come into my program. And it. I feel like more and more people, and I'm sure you see this, are, are clients are asking for marketing support. And so if we're able to kind of step in and say, like, actually, here's this framework, and here's how to think about all this, One of the things that I remember when I first got into uh, being a a production agency, I just assumed all of my clients, I assumed they had businesses that were way bigger than they are because I saw their social media follower counts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I assumed they knew way more about marketing than me. And what I realized later is they knew absolutely nothing about marketing. And a lot of times they'd gotten lucky, like something about their personality and their content. They hit the wave at the right time. They built a big audience. Maybe they built a big podcast. Maybe they even built a big business, but they didn't really know much about marketing. And Mm -hmm. that was such a, I I almost couldn't believe it at the time. And I think that the bar is actually really low. And so when you can come in with kind of a framework and you know what you're talking about and you can say like, okay, well, we're doing well here, but the the product, if the product isn't doing that well, like let's maybe start diagnosing, like what might the issues be and, and maybe what can we tweak? And maybe that's how we're talking about on the podcast. Maybe it's how often we're talking about on the podcast, or maybe, you know, maybe I'm not the person to help you, but maybe you might want to relook at the program or something like that. And so I think like being able to bring this kind of analytical approach to it and help them diagnose what the issues might be, it really goes a long way.
0: Yes, I, I agree. And I mean, yeah, we see on a, you know, daily basis, podcasters looking for marketing help. It, it's, it just seems very evasive to a lot of people, mm-hmm. like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And I think a lot of this, and from one of the things I've learned from you is defining things correctly, what is marketing, what is not marketing, and just even what we have talked about today, as far as what's exposure, what's attraction, what's retention, because those are not all the same thing. And just from what you said in the very beginning of you might be doing one really well. You know, let's say even, you know, you're doing exposure really well or you're attracting people really well, but then retention is not there. Like you're inconsistent Mm -hmm. or the content changes too often or whatever. We could think of a lot of scenarios in which the marketing just kind of the wheels fall off the car. And, And for our clients, I think that's some of what can, you know, can be happening. So yeah, having this type of education will you know, as a podcast manager, goes a long way. Because even if we can't speak into maybe their offer as much, we can, in a lot of cases, speak into their podcast and help them get all of this in alignment for growing the show.
1: Yeah. And uh, you kind of mentioned the, the one thing there is that uh, we haven't talked about is really like I, I often when I have slides and present this visually, I present it as a bridge. So these four components, like if any one piece is missing, you can't get your I- ideal listener over to, you know, becoming client or a customer. And so we really need like all four of those pieces in place. And they're not always going to be like all a hundred percent rock solid. There's always going to be something that's stronger and, and lagging further behind. But if there's a, a huge gap in one place, in any one place, it doesn't matter where it is, like things just aren't going to function. Um, entirely. And uh, so I think thinking about that and helping them identify what that might be, and then, you know, working with them, helping them develop a plan to like, okay, here are some ideas that we can use to put in place. Maybe it's like looking at different channels, maybe it's tweaking what we're doing on this channel. And this is going to help us fill that gap.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. This has been so great, Jeremy, as always. Now you have a workshop coming up, you're going to be your course is going to be opening up, very soon. And you've got a workshop coming up on May second. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be called design your podcast growth engine. And it's actually building on everything we've talked about here today. So it's going to be four days long. And each day, we're going to do a a much deeper dive into each one of these categories in the ears framework. And uh, so um, feel free to to join. It's uh, entirely free. And uh, I've run these kind of free workshops, I think, this will be the fourth or fifth time now I can't even keep track of them all now. But uh, they always get a a great reception. They're always a lot of fun. And uh, it's always nice to be able to put faces to names and interact Mm -hmm. live, there'll be um, kind of lectures each day, and then also time for q&a, homework assignments, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, my goal is to help you, you know, go through that that workshop over those four days and be able to, you know, feel like a a superhuman, uh, when you're able to work with your clients after that on the marketing front.
0: Yes. And just increasing our confidence in how to talk about marketing with our clients. It would be so powerful. So we'll make sure that the link to that workshop is in the show notes. Where else can we find you after the episode?
1: Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter and LinkedIn. So uh, on Twitter, I'm at I am Jeremy Enns, and that's E-N-N-S is my last name. Probably it's been the the, the title of this episode, so you can probably find it there. And LinkedIn, you can look me up, Jeremy Enns. Those are the places I'm I'm most active. And then all my other stuff is at podcastmarketingacademy.com.
0: Excellent. And then if you have not listened to episode 74, you can also scroll back and listen to Jeremy on that episode as well, where we talked about how to grow a unique and niche show. Uh, But this has been so great. I appreciate you coming on the show again and just giving us so much value in the marketing strategy front. Uh, Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback, and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.